This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's about to go. The Buffalo Nerds Sports Podcast Where we talk history of the game numbers and stats And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should Because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax This the Buffalo Nerds Sports Podcast Let go! Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. This is your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by Minute Media and Fansided. So if this is your first time here, I don't think you could have picked a better day to show up. If you're part of the Nerd Mafia already, thanks for coming back. And you're going to be rewarded with an incredible guest today. Um, it's not every day that a le- regular guy like myself gets to sit down with somebody who's been around the team that I love for almost my entire life, basically, been covering them. And now he's the play-by-play guy. You get to hear him every weekend. I know a lot of people that just hit mute on the TV and listen to the radio instead. So I've got John Murphy this week. Mr. Murphy, sir, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, if there happens to be somebody that doesn't know you, um, why don't you uh, just kind of let us know a little bit about yourself. Okay, but you got to call me John, okay, Cole? Don't call me Mr. Murphy, please. All right, <laughs> um, got it. A little bit about myself. Well, um, you know, I'm coming to you. I live in Orchard Park. I've lived here almost 30 years. Um, I have, uh, I'm married. I have two uh, uh, adult sons, Mark and Jack. Uh, I grew up in Lockport, New York, in western New York. Uh, went to school at Syracuse University, got out of school, uh, went to law school for a year, didn't like it. So I went, um, I started working in radio in Lockport at WLBL and Niagara Falls at WJJL. Eventually wound up at WBEN Radio and uh, helped them out with the pregame show, Bill's Pregame. And in 1984, which was long before you were born, I'm sure, Colt, they, uh, they, they had a need for uh, a color man. The uh, color man at the time, Stan Barron, got sick and couldn't continue. So they threw me into the breach and uh, kind of stayed on the broadcast for most of the last uh, several years. What's that, 30-some years? Four years uh, I was off the broadcast, but uh, since 84, those are the only four years I've missed. So I've, I started doing play-by-play in 2004. And so let me think, this this is the 17th year I've done play-by-play, and I did, uh, I think, uh, 16 years of uh, being on the broadcast of Color Analyst before that. So there it is. That's my life in a nutshell. I like it. And, and now that I knew it, because I thought it was 84, and so it has been my whole lifetime because I was born in 82. Okay. So you've actually been covering the team my entire lifetime. So we've scared, we, square, we can square <laughs> that good. away. So very cool. That's good. You look younger I mean, than obviously that, I you, uh, Oh, well, mm-hmm. thanks. I appreciate that. But so I'm super pumped to get to pick your brain a little bit. You've seen so many teams come through, you know, in that time. And I think we've got a really good one right now. So I just want to kind of get your feeling about it. But before we get into all the football stuff, we do every week like to start out by highlighting a charity. And since uh, John came on, he does get to choose the charity that he wanted to highlight. So, John, why don't you let us know a little, like, who you chose and why yeah, you chose I chose uh, the Family Justice Center of Erie County. It's a nonprofit organization based in downtown Buffalo. And uh, full disclosure, my wife is the CEO. She's been uh, in charge of the Family Justice Center for about 
10 or 15 years. It's an agency that deals with domestic violence victims. It's a serious problem. And they, they help domestic violence victims uh, throughout the whole process. So instead of, you know, a victim of domestic violence typically may, may need to see a police officer, may need to see a housing specialist, get help finding a new place to live, help with their children. Uh, maybe they need medical attention. And instead of four or five or six visits all over Erie County, they have one place, one stop shopping, if you will, the, the um, Family Justice Center, which can take care of all of their needs. Um, they have uh, a main uh, a main setup in downtown Buffalo. They also have uh, uh, satellites in Orchard Park on Grand Island in uh, uh, Amherst. And uh, I believe there's one more. I can't think of it now. But um, it's a great organization that does great work. Um, it's a small organization that... Uh, and kind of gets domestic violence victims uh, going again and introduces them to, to the right police officers and uh, helps them out with legal representation and whatever they need. It's a really good group. My wife's been uh, CEO since, uh, well, since about uh, 2006, 2007. So that's the charity I chose. It's a really worthy organization. Yeah, I mean, it's really awesome. It's another one of those like kind of topics that's uh, actually being talked about more, yep. you know, similar to mental health. You know, this was kind of one of those taboo things that nobody wanted to talk about for a long time. So very cool organization. Uh, you can find them at fjcsafe.org. All that stuff will be in the show notes. So you guys can click right over and check out everything they're up to. If you know somebody that might just need the information or if you want to donate and help out that way, all that stuff will be over there. So very cool organization. Yep. Uh it's always a personal story that ends up being the reason for why we're highlighting the charity that we are. So it's cool to always find out kind of the backstory behind those. So thanks for bringing that up, John, Uh, just checking it out. It's a very cool looking organization doing awesome work from, like you mentioned, not just like we got you phase one, we got you through all the phases, right? So uh, very, very cool. Really enjoy it. So I know you're, you're coming off the buy. You probably like, I was trying to catch up with you over the weekend and you're one weekend off of the football year. Right. And so what do you do on the bye week? Uh, this was a little bit different. Uh, this past weekend, uh, my wife and I went to Cincinnati, drove to Cincinnati to go to a, a wedding. Uh, good friends of ours from Orchard Park, their son got married a year ago. Uh, they postponed the reception because of COVID until this past weekend. And we were able to go. I was free from football. So we hopped in the car Friday and drove to Cincinnati and went to the kind of a wedding reception on a Saturday night. So typically in the bay, I'll, I'll just take time off. Often we've gone to, when the bay is in decent weather, we've gone to the Finger Lakes and hung out there. We, we like to go in the summer there as well. But uh, this week, this year was different because of, of the wedding we were scheduled to attend. Very cool. So I'd imagine that it was the, the wife kind of demanded some kind of escape for the <laughs> one week that she actually gets to do something on the weekend with you during football season. But so you've watched a ton of good football teams. You were there during the Kelly years, the great run of the four Super Bowls, even the early 2000s when we were good, and then kind of the demise after that. Is this football team, to, in my eyes, it looks like it is. Is this is this 90s years caliber yeah, in your eyes? Um, I have seen a lot of good foot, Buffalo Bills football teams. Uh, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention I've seen an awful lot of bad Buffalo Bills football teams also. Uh, does the bad outweigh the good? I don't know. I I choose not to uh, to add that up but um the question does this well look the 90s team it's different era the 90s team accomplished something that no one has done before or since go to four consecutive super bowls this team is very good i think this year the 2021 buffalo bills are super bowl caliber but to immediately already put them in uh, that category i think is a little bit a little bit early for that we'll see how they do this year i mean it's hard to measure up to a team that goes to four consecutive super bowls certainly they didn't win one they should have win one uh, obviously but um this bills team is very good very talented in a different game you know it's hard to 
translate the way that the game is played now to the way it was played 30 years ago. But uh, um, they could be. Let me say it that that way. They could be as good as that uh, Super Bowl era Buffalo Bills. But I'm kind of remiss to to take away anything from that team after they went to four consecutive Super Bowls. Well, you can obviously see what yeah. I have hanging behind me. So you know where you know where I think the best team still lies is it is there, and it's mostly because those eras produced like eight Hall of Famers, right? And and probably more to come. You know, as Steve gets in soon and things like that. So I mean, I think that that's the thing, right? It's like you have to put it in perspective, and they play in a completely different style of football too, which is the other the main yeah. piece of it. Yeah, can I? But you know what I was really thinking? I was thinking about team. this the last week or so uh, that team, the nineties team was sort of revolutionary in the sense that they had this fast pace, uh, uh, no huddle offense, you know, the K gun offense, which featured no huddle and, and a, and a passing attack. And now everybody plays that way in the NFL. You know, everybody's got a no huddle attack, almost everybody and everybody uses it. And, and the game is really uh, slanted towards more of a passing game now than it ever has been. So in that, that's just one of the many ways in which the game has changed. You know, the bills are really good offense now, but they were revolutionary back then 30 years ago. No one played the way they did 30 years ago. Yeah, I was actually, I just was watching the 30 for 30 again the other day. And that's like one of the first things that they yeah. highlight off the top, right? Is it's like they, they didn't even plan on running the offense. They kind of used it late in the end of the season to get through it. And then they were like, yeah. maybe we should just do this. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just destroying. I mean, teams. the famous story was the, cool. the playoff a loss uh, in Cleveland, 1989 season, January of 1990, when they lost a wildcard playoff game to the Browns. And uh, they were in a hurry at the end. They were trying to catch up, and they ran the snow huddle offense, and it was working really well. Jim Kelly was finding open receivers. They weren't huddling. Uh, it was like a two-minute drill the whole game. And um, the story goes, they mentioned it in that 30-30, that after that game and in the offseason that uh, followed, uh, Ted Marchibroda, the offensive coordinator, said, hey, we should maybe try this on a regular basis. And they kind of pared down the number of plays that Kelly would have to call, and uh, they turned over a lot of control of the offense to Jim Kelly and the K-Gun and and, you know, the rest was history, as they say. Yeah, it's an awesome story. And not to take away, like, from what they were doing back then, and it's very difficult to do the same kind of thing now because everybody's so innovative. Everybody's kind of do the same things. It's hard to come up with new things. But Brian Dable seems to be, like, that caliber yep. of guy that can kind of come up with new stuff in an era where you would think it would be very difficult because everybody's just kind of doing the same stuff. So as far as this team, we're not putting them all the way at the top yet. But – this football team feels like, how, how have you felt so far this season? I felt like the beginning against Pittsburgh, I didn't want to play in week one because I thought that was the only time they could mm. beat us because we didn't know exactly what they were going to try to do. But where do you where, where have you at at the bye right now? Are you happy with where this football team yeah, is? Yeah, let me go back to something you started talking about, Brian Dable, a moment ago. And this thought came to me in the last week or two, I guess going into the, the loss in Tennessee. Um one of the reasons why their offense is so prolific this year, and they still average 30-something points a game, they're still the what second-highest scoring team in the league. I think one of the main reasons, and maybe an underreported reason, is uh, the fact that it's Dable's, uh, Dave, Brian Dable's fourth year with the team and Josh Allen's fourth year with the team. Uh, it's the same offense. And, and you know, Dable now, with all that experience, and especially with his quarterback having that experience, he's able to kind of experiment a little bit. And, and try. you know, in, in the Kansas City game, for instance – the Monday night or Sunday night game in Kansas City, I didn't count them, but I bet they played 10 or 12 kind of different formations and personnel combinations. And the reason they can do that and do it so successfully is that they've all been here before and Dable has been here before and he knows what he has. He knows what guys like to do. He knows uh, how, how these people like to play. And Josh Allen, who's Dable's you know mind in the game, 
the same way his fourth year. And I think that's, as I said, sort of an underreported aspect of how good they've been this year. The fact that Dable and the offense are in their fourth year and Leslie Frazier and his defense are in their fifth year, you know, and I think that adds a lot. I mean, players make plays. I know that. And the players are the game. I get that. But the coaching staff here is really good and really kind of settled in. And the Bills are benefiting from that this year. Um, to your question, as far as my take, I mean, I, it's hard to say they're on schedule because, you know, the, the loss, especially the Tennessee loss, uh, was so close. And, and um, I, I didn't have I didn't hold uh, the Titans in high regard. I hold them in higher regard now. But, um, yeah, they're, they're about where they should be right four and two. They've got the schedule coming up where they should be able to roll for a while at least until, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Thanksgiving Day at New Orleans. And by role, I mean pick up wins. So, yeah, they're on schedule. I see them still finishing with, uh, you know, in a 17-game season, finishing with uh, 13 or, or maybe 14 wins, you know, and, and they're on schedule to do that, I believe. Yeah, speaking back on what you're just bringing up, the camaraderie, I, that's way under – I talk about it quite a bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball with with Hyde and Poyer. They're so good yeah. because they've played together for so long now. It's so much easier, and I think I think that's what got us through COVID was those guys being able to understand that they didn't have to bring in new guys and teach them tons and tons of stuff. They just had the same guys already knew what was going on, so you can just add things. I mean, the secondary has been together for – well, Levi's been there for three now, so at least three years they've all been together – but then you got Trey at four, Hayden Poyer four and five. I mean, that's that's incredible to do in this day and age to keep those guys together. So it, it, I think it's a great point that you brought that up because I, to me, that's how you get real successful in the NFL is you don't have to make yeah. big changes every and, offseason. And I got to say, those safeties, Hayden uh, Poyer, are so good. And as you said, they're they're back. I was I was redoing my spotting board uh, this morning, and I'm filling out you know names and numbers for everybody on the Bills, redoing the Bills spotting board. I, I try to do it, keep it for at least uh, you know half a season if I can. But it just hit me when I'm doing a Poyer and Hyde. Uh, uh, they're in their what the fifth year now with the Bills, right? Yeah, they came when when McDermott came, and they're both really good. Yeah. I mean, both Pro Bowl caliber. You could argue, and in fact, I I was in a, a discussion with some Bills reporters uh, last night, and I would argue, you know, Josh Allen aside, because I know he's been great. I would argue that Micah Hyde might be the Bills' most valuable player this year. You know, three interceptions, one return for a touchdown. He's smart. They are always seem to be lined up correctly. Uh, he and Poyer have learned how to disguise their coverages expertly. Um, uh, you could argue, and I did last night, that Micah Hyde is the most valuable player, especially on the Buffalo defense to this point. Yeah, I like that a lot. The other guy I would kind of, I know he hasn't really been doing it is like big numbers wise, but Edmonds yep. is having a phenomenal year right now. I think his, his growth, you're just seeing he's, he's in the right places. He's doing the right things. He looks calm, cool, collected under control. And uh, that's awesome. But that back end gets disrespected by the national media all the time. They put together those lists and those guys don't make top five <laughs> lists sometimes. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, look what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And now to Edmonds, uh, I don't know why. I don't, I'm, I think people kind of pick on him a little bit. Maybe it's because he's a first rounder, but, um, you know, he doesn't make every play, but he makes an awful lot of them. And he um, he's really good. I mean, he covers a lot of territory. Uh, I think he's physical. I think he's a better, more than adequate coverage man when it comes to the passing game. I really like Tremaine Edmonds a lot. And I think, yeah, he calls the defenses too. He's out there relaying what's called on the sideline. So he's important in that sense. But yeah, I, I the safeties and of course, Tredavious White is a all pro caliber cornerback. Uh, they're really good. The secondary is really good for the Bills. And the defense, even after giving up, what, 34 points 
in Tennessee a week ago, they're still the number one ranked defense in the league, you know, number one in yards allowed. It's, it's amazing. And realistically, in the Tennessee game, you could, I would say, take 14 points off the board. In the Pittsburgh game, you take 14 points off the board, six for special teams, two incredibly short fields. Uh, and this defense has yep. been lights out. But Edmonds proved to me that he was getting better. I know he got bagged against Tennessee a little bit by some people, but the way he was tackling Derrick Henry sh- showed me that he's made that step. He's, he's now in there taking down the big dog that nobody else wants to mess with. But I know he missed a couple and he got pushed out of the way a couple of times, but I think he's having a great year. And I think it stems also too, because the offense has been so good that the defense is in a lot better situations yep. this year. Um, but let me ask you a little bit about, cause the pass rush was the big topic during the off season, right? You know, kind of, we need to get a pass rush. It looked like in the first few weeks there that we had it, like it was there and it was going to be productive. Mahomes, I felt like we moved him around a lot. We didn't get there. Tennessee, we looked like we weren't even close. Are, is there still concerns about the pass rush, or do you think it's just the quality of the O-line? Um, no, I think the pass rush is is pretty much fixed, um, and it's not always necessarily refre- reflected in the number of sacks. Uh, I think they get, heat on the, get good heat on the passer. I mean, with Tennessee, Tannehill was getting the ball out quick, and mostly they were running the ball, so that was that was the reason for that, but uh, I love the way the Bills have waves of defensive linemen who come in. They're always fresh-legged uh, on the defensive line. I think uh, Greg Russo has been a revelation at the one defensive end spot. I mean, he started from day one, right, as, as a rookie in his first NFL game. I think they fixed the pass rush. And I, I credit the Bills for identifying in the offseason this is our number one uh, uh, failing from uh, 2020 season, and this is what we're going to fix. And they absolutely did it. I think they're in really good shape with pass rush. I do. Yeah, I mean, I just – and you get it, like, against Tennessee, we were moving Tannehill around a little bit too, and I think that's the best you can do. It's just, you know, when you're you're so worried about the run, it makes it a challenge in that game. But – so you mentioned it earlier, though. We're about to kind of – I think they're saying it's uh, – we're only playing two teams the rest of the way that have winning records as of right now. Um, we've got a nice little stretch here where we got Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets. Um, so, like, this feels like a team that should kind of coast in but looking at the rest of the AFC, do you think we're gonna we're still gonna have a chance at the number one seed here, or do you think we kind of missed that window with the, these couple losses? Well, the losses don't help, but yeah, I think they have a chance. Um, you know, uh, I, I, people are getting kind of hung up on the Tennessee game, and I, I know that was a tough one, but uh, there's still a long way to go, right? Two thirds of the season still left to play, and uh, you know, the Bills have been fortunate; they haven't had uh, significant injuries so far, and you would think there are some injuries coming, but. Yeah, I mean, Miami, Jacksonville Jets, and even Indianapolis, you know, four straight wins probably before they get to play at New Orleans. New Orleans can be tough at home, especially on Thanksgiving. Uh, At Tampa Bay would be a tough one. But, you know what, 11 games left. I think the Bills uh, should should be favored at least in nine of those 11, which doesn't mean much because you still have to play. But, no, I think they are – you know, somebody – I think it was Drew Brees. I don't know what I saw him on the other day, but he pointed out you know, great former Saints quarterback uh, quarterback saying the uh, Bills are really the, the the team to beat in the AFC mostly because of how balanced they are. You know, they are. We've talked about how good the defense is and the offense is really good too. Uh, and every team has flaws, and the Bills are not flawless, but I think they have fewer flaws than the other top teams, including the Tennessee Titans, including the Kansas City Chiefs, including the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think the Chargers are interesting, but I think they're a little young. Um, I think the Bills are. And this is, there's no guarantees to come along with this, and this isn't a lock. But I do think the Bills are are set up to be the best uh, the best team in in the conference, probably through the end of the season. And injuries, of course, will play a role in that. Injuries and luck, the two things you really can't control. 
And also the fact that these other teams are going to have to like Cincinnati and Baltimore are going to have to play yeah. each other again. They're going to have to play Pittsburgh. They're going to have to play Cleveland. These other teams have way tougher schedules coming down this road than we on paper yeah. do. I mean, anything can change at any given moment, yeah. right? I mean, somebody goes down, anything can change, but I, I'm glad you brought up the Drew Brees thing because I, I heard that same thing. And that was my biggest takeaway coming out of the bye to let me know that this was a good, fo- I knew it was a good football team, but just when you, we didn't even play last week. We came off a terrible loss that was still probably should have been a, a win. I mean, we were one yard away potentially from a win. And you go look at power rankings, and I don't always put them into play, but the national media still recognize the fact that this is a good football team by keeping them in like the top five. When you're coming off a huge loss, you didn't even play, and the other teams in the AFC are rising. That tells me this is, people truly believe this is yeah. a contender. And and now it's time for me to say this: it doesn't matter what people believe or what people think. You know, they every week. Um, they, they kind of set their own, uh, course, you know, and they got to win every week. And if they don't, then, then people will believe something else. You know, there's so many ups and downs through the course of a long NFL season. And, you know, there's a hot team and a team that gets noticed. Sometimes it's the bills. Sometimes it's somebody else. Um, Tennessee's won a couple of uh, pretty big games lately. And now, so they're the hot team that everybody's raving about. And that'll, that'll change. That'll be up and down as a course of, uh, as the season plays out. Um, I try not to get caught up and they have power rankings. We don't need power rankings. We have standings. And the only, you know, you don't go in the playoffs based on a power ranking. Uh, the standings say who gets in the playoffs. And what really matters is who wins uh, each weekend. And that's where I think that's what the Bills approach is. And I think that, that'll serve them well moving down the road here. Yeah, I said that the other day on the show when I was doing kind of my like bye week thing. I'm like, everybody's been talking about what we need to change, what we need to this to to improve. And I'm like, all I said was more of yeah. the same. Just give me more of the same. Like if we keep doing this, it right now it's winning at a rate to four every six games. We're going to win four and we'll lose two. So let's just yep. keep doing that. Right. I'd be okay with that. So I feel like it's just, and I love that it's McDermott's team because to me, this schedule just means show up and do your work. It's all business. The way that we handled Tennessee or excuse me, the Texans before the chiefs game, I need to see that the rest of the season, all these teams that we should beat just come in and, Take them seriously and knock them down and move on to right. the next one. I agree with that. I will say this. You won't find too many NFL teams, even on the Bills' remaining schedule, that are uh, as bad as the Houston Texans were a couple of weeks ago. Um, most teams are better than that. Most teams play better than that. Uh, one of them might be this weekend when they play the Dolphins, who you know they've lost six in a row. I don't ex- I expect the Bills to win, but I don't want to over. I don't think the Bills should overlook the Dolphins because it's a division rivalry. The Bills shut them out thirty-five to nothing six weeks ago. Um, they're a little bit healthier and uh, their backs are against the wall now. But uh, so the other teams play into it too. Look in the NFL, the the difference between the good teams and the bad teams is is this big. It's not it's not much. Luck plays a role. Uh, injuries p- play a role as the season goes along. You know and. Uh, it isn't Alabama versus uh, Coastal Carolina or something. You know, these are NFL teams with really good uh, players, and many of them have very good coaches, and players find a way to win. And so there's nothing guaranteed for the Bills. And and I feel comfortable saying that because I feel that uh, Sean McDermott is the perfect coach for this group because I think he kind of harps on that, talking to his players. Like, you know, they haven't won anything yet. They know that, and they still have to uh, pay attention during the week and uh, practice hard and work hard on Sundays to get to where they want to get. Yeah, I mean, it's still the NFL has always been any given yeah. Sunday, and I think that stands. Yeah, true I mean, to it's this a cliche, it's but it's it's true. You know, it really it really does mean something in the NFL. 
Yeah, it gets proven yeah. every week. So I mean, it's 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 in, it's interesting. I think either way, the rest of the season should be a really fun and exciting season. We've got a high powered offense, a good defense. We got a, a stadium that's going to be packed for most of the games, you know. So it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. So I know we're getting up close here to the end of the time, real quick. So I just wanted to ask you, so far this season, what's been your favorite call? Oh, <laughs> I don't really catalog them, and I don't keep track of them. Um... There've been a lot because they've been so exciting and so fun. I, I you know, I think uh, Micah Hyde's uh, touchdown against Kansas City was a huge play in the game, and and I know I got kind of excited about that one. I mean, my favorite calls are the ones that I get right, you know, and that I kind of accurately describe what's happening. Um, it's not my, you know, I don't really gauge my level of excitement or um, involvement in the call because the games are not about me. But my favorite calls are the ones where I accurately and maybe. Uh, colorfully describe uh, what happened, what just happened. And it's it's kind of split-second description. It's it's hard. I find it a challenge every week. I would think Micah Hyde's uh, touchdown was one of the big ones. I mean, going back to the uh, the first Miami game, uh, there were a couple of big plays in that game that I thought, uh, you know, we, we got right, you know. Um, and this past week, you know, it, uh, for me, a lot of it is can you see well, you know, can you see everything. This past week uh, – at Tennessee was a great vantage point and a great broadcast booth. And I felt like I was on top of it, making uh, calls that, uh, that mattered. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think there were, oh, there were a couple of calls that I thought, uh, yeah, you, you nailed it because you could see it, you know, and that's, and we can always see well at home. That's, that's a great thing about uh, Highmark stadium. It's a great vantage point, a great bar- broadcast booth. And I just hope that in the new stadium, we'll have uh, an equally uh, a good view of the game. Well, it better be awesome, right? I mean, for as much money as they're going to put into the stadium. Yeah. Have a well, what they do is they, you know, it's expensive real estate. <laughs> and uh, seats on the 50-yard line are, are expensive, and it's it's valuable real estate. And sometimes they might not want to use that real estate, uh, you know, for a radio booth. They may want to get some revenue out of it. That's what they do around the league anyway. Absolutely. And that's probably what will happen. You guys will be up on, like, yeah. the upper deck, yeah. you know, like – yeah, know, something we'll like that. Do. But all right. Well, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me, John. I mean, it's, you know, like I mentioned at the top, it's not every day a regular guy like myself gets to hang out and chat a little bit of football with a guy who's been covering a team, you know, my entire life. So I really appreciate you taking some time out for me. Uh, you got anything you want to shout out that you're up to? I know you're kind of taking a back seat with things now, hanging out with the grandkids and just doing the play by play stuff. But anything you're working on, anything um, else you want to shout out before Well, I do work here? with, you see the sign behind me, Sullivan's Brewing Company. I work for Sullivan Brewing Company based in Ireland. I'm kind of a regional, uh, representative for them so that that keeps me busy i'll be out with uh, the local salesman tomorrow but no i mean i i i spent today i went to practice today and then spent uh, i watched the dolphins game a couple weeks ago against jacksonville i'll do a, a couple more games probably hope to get in four games before uh, the game on sunday you know watch four dolphins games and just kind of do my homework get ready for sunday's game that's what i do Awesome. I love it. Thanks so much, John, for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Obviously, we wouldn't have a show if there wasn't anybody paying attention out there. So I appreciate you guys coming back each and every week. Uh, Make sure you guys are heading over to Buffalo Lowdown. That's buffalowdown.com. And check out what Brandon and Aaron and all those guys are up to. They're writing really good stuff about the team. And you guys can always find out what I'm up to over at thebuffalonerd.com. And, of course, go Bills. You just listen to the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out!
I'm Joni from Columbus, Ohio, and I recommend 3C Body Shop. Nobody wants to go back twice in one year for accident repairs. But after my first experience with 3C, it made perfect sense for me. 3C worked with my insurance and everything was handled perfectly. I'd recommend 3C to my friends, my family, and anyone that has been in an accident. 3C Body Shop, the finest in collision repair. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.